Jake. It's over. It's, it's finally over. <laughs> Skip the intro. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> that that is the intro. The intro is year one of the tank is behind us. Not well. We are done Buster watching Hatter. Pistons basketball. Not you can find no. us on Twitter. <laughs> no, over. you know you know who we are. You know where we are. It's it's over. The season is over. The season is done. Oh, thank God. Let's let's be real. You didn't watch half of it anyway. One of us paid attention to the yep. vast majority of it. One of us was watching down to buck videos for twelve minutes a night. <laughs> And I'm sure the five people who listen to this really thank you for that. But <laughs> <laughs> I could not be happier that I have to. I am done caring about the day-to-day results of the Pistons basketball look, team for look, at least. We a in the months. playoffs, baby! It's draft season. <laughs> it's the only yes, time that matters. <laughs> two seed. We got a two seed. <laughs> two seed. <laughs> Actually, we just. Yep, so, no, we're the one seed of the Eastern Conference, baby. Of the East. Of the East. <laughs> But we're far and away the two seed of the overall. Look, this is the, this is the Eastern Conference prime time right here, right now. <laughs> Anyways, so to finish out, uh, let's see. The Pistons finished fifty and or twenty and fifty-two, which was three <laughs> they games. Better not have won with <laughs> We're fifty games, baby. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking deep run of the playoffs. Yeah, that ah. would be not great, not ideal. Other way around. <laughs> So the Pistons finished 20-52, and 52, which was three games, quote-unquote, behind the Rockets, and one game, quote-unquote, ahead of the Magic, and two above the Thunder and Cavs in the, as I'm calling it, the tanking rankings. <laughs> and then we ended the season with an absolutely dreadful 2-12, including 1-9 down the stretch with losses to the Wolves and the Magic to cement our place among the greats with the tanking uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame. I, I want people to know that we f- we started doing this as a video uh, chat, and like the the smirk Webster had for saying tanking rankings was just he's so proud of that, and it's such a stupid rhyme. It's not I mean, even it's good. Not, I'm not I'm not saying it's a good rhyme. I <laughs> he just, just got all it. cheek to cheek out here, and it's I'm just not like, trademarking it. It's just <laughs> the tanking rankings. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So we have kind of a three things, not really, uh, not just really. three big news bits for uh, for this mm-hmm. year or this week. The first being yeah, the past week too as well that uh, Dwayne Casey gets an extension. How do you feel about yep. that? Ah, uh, I am. I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent to it. I think we've harped many times over our kind of disagreements with Dwayne Cage, Dwayne Casey's coaching style as a whole especially kind of the systems that he uses specifically on offense. Um, that being said, he does have a decent track record of developing players. He does have some people that have kind of came and looked better, and it could just be their own growth in themselves or partially due in part to what he's done. So in that regard, for like a team that's going to be bad, it's going to be tanking, like I'm not opposed to it. You kind of need a bad coach to make sure that you keep tanking. Um, but that being said, I don't like I said, I don't think he's a – great coach. I don't think he's someone you want long-term in, in charge of that team, especially once they kind of start to get some players together and start to make some runs uh, towards the playoffs. It's not the kind of coach you want in that regard. So as like kind of a placeholder, like I'm not opposed to keeping him here as opposed to just like grabbing another, you know, tanking leader coach. But at the same token, like you could also kind of do what, you know, the Celtics did and go for Brad Stevens. I don't think there's any coach like that at the moment but you could also use this as an opportunity to bring in a coach and say hey you're you know you're young you're talented or whatever come and mold this roster in the way you see fit as well alongside of course Troy Weaver and the rest of the Pistons front office so overall I'm like I'm whelmed would be the proper way to say it (laughs) I'm not I'm not overjoyed by seeing more Dwayne Casey I mean he's a great guy I enjoy like kind of his Caseyisms and stuff like that that I see reported on but at the same token, I don't, for the long-term success of the Pistons, I'm not fully certain that he would be the best um, guy overall to make that, you know, that possibility, that future possibility. Yeah, I, I'm, you know my feelings on Dwayne have bounced back and forth. For me, I guess the big thing is 
he's done a good job this year, just like objectively done a good job at raising the kids. And, you know, I've had quibbles with him, I guess, over like Seku's minutes and stuff like that. But like all, all, overall, he's yeah. been good. You know, yeah, I think I, I think listen to the podcast knows that there's yes. some minor disagreements we have here and there. But overall, I think, yeah, we both, I think we both agree that he's, He's kind of improved this season based on what he was the year prior. We'd well, and this like has, been, this has been the best game. coach season he's had maybe ever. Like, I think he's done a really good job coaching <laughs> this team, which is weird because, like, yeah, it's a 20-win team. But the uh, the amount of buy-in he has is not proportional to the amount of wins he has, right? Like, that's yeah. – um, and, and, and we've known – you know, Casey, my my biggest issue with Casey when he was hired was that he was hired to win the the Pistons a playoff series or two when that's not who he has been as a coach. You know, his his yeah. Coach of the Year award in Toronto was a, a culmination of, you know, like seven years of building this team, right? And it was, it was like, and at the same time, they had to bring in Nick Nurse to get him, like, to, to, get them over the to, hump, to, yeah. the, to be... Something close, like even the year before Nick Nurse took over, Nick Nurse was brought in to help him fix the offense and stuff. So, like, I was never a fan of him as this to win games, but as a development coach, he has a great track record of that. He has a great track record of, of establishing a culture of, and so I'm I'm totally happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. I also I looked at the extension, and I think at first blush I thought it was longer than it is, but it's also like it's a one year bump on his, um, mm-hmm. on his deal because yeah, he got a. He had a five-year deal originally when he signed, correct? Right. So, really, it's also, I think, more just like a show of faith than anything. Like, yeah, we're not going to fire him for going 20 for twenty wins. You know, like, it's. I think it wouldn't surprise me if he sees this year out and retires. Um, or, or sees out, like, that year. Not, not this year, obviously, but yeah. that year. The end of the contract. Um, and retires. It wouldn't shock me if he retired... A year early either like it any point in time here in this in this stretch it also wouldn't shock me if they just keep kind of extending him year over year and keeping two to three years on his deal until they decide that they really actually want the next guy mm-hmm. i do not think Dwayne casey is the guy to take the pistons into the playoffs his weaknesses are in his rotational adjustments you know and in some of that uh fine tuning of a game plan in the playoffs I'm I'm fine with him as a regular season coach for this team for the next two or three years. You know, it it doesn't matter if they get Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley at the top of this draft somehow. <laughs> the Pistons are still two or three years away from that like mentality of of needing to win a playoff series. You still have to develop. So, yeah, I'm 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 happy with it. I'm I'm fine with it. Um, and and you know certainly need to make sure that we give Dwayne his due for for having a good season this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I would say, you know, I would say beyond the contract that he's got, we are still easily three years away from even thinking about competing unless, you know, the next two drafts are just absolutely stellar knockout picks. Like, if we get, you know, if we jump to one, get Kate Cunningham, and then get another guy next year, and all of a sudden we can be that contender like that, and we and those picks are both knockout picks, like, okay, we'll be you know, fighting for a playoff at that point in time. But realistically, that's not something that you expect to just nail two draft picks like that. No, and the I, I odds think, of that happening are so far away. Right, and I, I think the Troy Weaver plan is more to, like, tank this year. Um, hopefully you get the pick. You know, if you don't get the pick, you have to tank next year. I, I think if they land a top three guy this year, I think he'll transition into being like aiming to be like seventh in the draft. You know, I think he'll try and push and and win more. I don't think he's going to try and bottom the team out yeah. again. Um, yeah, that was my know. next question for you was, you know, this team in the past prior to Troy Weaver getting here and kind of, I guess, the exodus of players uh, that he did in the past offseason. The purge. The team had always been trying. The, 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 yeah, the worst purge. <laughs> <laughs> the absolutely annihilation of the roster. Exportation, Prior- maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Deportation? Is that more accurate? I think that one fits better. Either one works. But prior to that, the Pistons had always been trying to fight for that playoff seed and kind of get into contention and you know get a couple home playoff games, stuff like that. 
is that a worry, do you think, if the Pistons, say, nail this draft pick and end up in that, like, 7-8 overall draft pick for next year, kind of back where they had been? And do you fear for them, like, with some cap space, with the Blake Griffin deal being done, kind of going out and trying to be that middling contender again? Or do you think this is still going to be a long-term, like, see-it-through-to-the-end tank? I think next year you're still planning... I wouldn't say planning. I, I would not be surprised if next year they want to be, if they hope that they're where the Hornets are now. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's their goal is to, like, try and skip a step and get to that point. Um, I don't think what they're going to do is bring in, like, multiple, like, $10 million vets to do it. Like, if the kids get you there, the kids get you there, and I think they're going to be happy with it. Um it would not surprise me if two summers from now they are looking at either trying to land a major free agent or, um, like, you know, making that push. I don't think mm-hmm. that Troy Weaver is going to wait this out for five years. Um, I, I definitely think he's got a shorter-term view than that. Okay. Yeah, because that's, I would say, would be my biggest worry right now. Like, we went through all this. We got, you know, we got everyone out of here for as quickly as we, like, as quickly as we could do it. I'm just, I'm just hopeful that now that they've committed to doing this tank, they see it through to the end and don't try and do an extreme cut, cutting like like a shortcut, and just skip through the steps they need to be to build like a sustainable young roster. Yeah, I think that's, that's always the one worry because I've never like I like Gores as Noah. I think he's better than people give him credit for, but it does worry me a little bit with an owner of that type where he's always used to being successful, he's used to winning. How quickly is he going to, you know, how long is he going to stay around for a team that's building and not really getting any results? Yeah, yet? I don't know. I don't know about that because, like, this isn't like, you know, obviously we're both soccer. It's not like soccer where um, where winning directly impacts your bottom line. Like, he'll get the TV yeah. share regardless. And mm-hmm. if you're not over the cap, which we aren't, you know, who cares? Like, he's, he's making money off the Pistons this year, I think. Or not this year, but he will be next year um so like who cares um I, I think he'd be okay with taking it a bit slow I think the the thing here is Weaver's shown that he kind of has an appreciation for his own ability in in talent evaluation and I don't think he's afraid of making picks at eight or 12 if the Pistons are winning you know I think he's confident in what he's doing. He he went out and he gr- he grabbed Sadiq Bey and he grabbed Isaiah Stewart. And much as I love those two, I still think he took a bath in those trades. I don't you know I yeah. don't think yeah. those were good trades from a an objective standpoint. Certainly now they look better like a, that like those two guys are good. But like um you know if you just if you just say was the sixteenth pick on average worth what we traded? No. And so uh, Troy clearly has a, has a high amount of faith in what he sees, and he's clearly willing to just go out and get it. We saw the same with Hami Diallo. He wants mm-hmm. Hami. He's going to go get Hami. Again, I didn't think the trade was super balanced. I thought he paid a tax for that, but he goes yeah. and gets what he wants. Um, and so that's I mean, that's I what I think what it is, is. Yeah. It, and I mean... I'd, I'd rather that than the right other now. way around. I mean, you'd rather that than a guy who yeah. doesn't know what he wants and just kind of wanders through it. That felt kind of like Stan Van Gundy's approach to drafting was like, well, <laughs> Tankathon says Stanley Johnson's a top 10 pick and uh, Henry Ellenson looks undervalued, so sure. And who knows? Um, I mean, that could boil down a lot to what the scouts are saying and stuff like that. I, I hate putting draft picks solely on the GM just because of how much of a crapshoot it is. I think that's something that that can't be understated here because, like, yeah, we can give you know we can give him his props for how the the last draft went, and I think he did a better job than either of us expected, and he he's definitely came out on top in terms of that draft. But that being said, I mean, you still got to look at it objectively, and that no matter who the GM is, those late lottery picks have such a propensity to bust as opposed to the beginning of the lottery picks, like. The more opportunities we get to bite that apple at the beginning of the lottery, the better. And if he nails in some late picks, good. But I don't want to, in like a long-term tank, I don't want to be relying on nailing picks at 9 or 10. Um, 
yes. Everybody wants to, to pick higher, certainly. But first of all, he has a better history of drafting than just the Pistons. Um, like I mean, yeah. He was the, he he was the guy in OKC. I don't know how to feel about that. The picks he made all had a theme and all had, like the the reason the draft is a crapshoot so often is that people don't understand what to value and clearly Troy knows what to value. And that's not to say that like he's going to pick 100% every time. Yeah. But like you can you can narrow your risk by doing it the right way. And I think that's the advantage to having a guy who was a scout as your GM mm-hmm. and like w- Troy Weaver is getting all the credit. now. it should not be understood that Ed Stefanski is still here. Like <laughs> very much pulling strings in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't love that for our trades because I still think Ed Stefanski sucks as a player evaluator, but like very clearly there's Troy Weaver is here to draft and like here to evaluate players and it's it's very clear to me that like Ed Stefanski is here to like figure out how that works and help him out with that aspect but like you brought in a guy to pick players that's what he's here for is to pick the players so mm-hmm. um you know d- am i nervous i i'm nervous about everything cuz it's it's you know <laughs> this is chaos it's sports it's <laughs> what it is but like am i more nervous than i was at any other point in time no and am I am I more hopeful yeah. than I have been in a while that somebody might have a plan for this? Yes, certainly yes. Um, so yeah, do you have anything more you want to talk about? Um, certainly, we'll we'll do a, a season wrap up pod in a, in a larger scale probably next week or in a in a couple of weeks when things die down. Yep, yep. We still do have just some quick, nothing like doing housekeeping notes right in the middle of the episode, but. <laughs> We'll definitely be doing a season wrap-up. We'll be doing more off-season talk later on, but we just wanted to kind of talk about some of the bigger things that are going on right now. So, Another thing, um, another fun bit of news. Ben Wallace! Ben! <laughs> I can't make bell noises, really. I'm I'm sorry. I don't that know. Was, if that was not a bad Mason impression, though. <laughs> I've had plenty of years of doing it, so. <laughs> I've been doing it for what? I've been doing that thing for what? 18 years at this point. My God! So. Yeah, he's in the Hall <laughs> of Fame. Be officially, yep. not not well, officially. not officially. He's officially. Well. Uh, it, going to be inducted. I don't know what the phrasing is in that. Confirmed to be inducted. Yeah, it's, it is yeah. a weird phrase. Like he's he's not just nominated. He's confirmed as a as an inductee. He just hasn't been actually gone through the ceremony yet. Either way, doesn't matter. Love it for him. <laughs> he is the Hall of Fame elect. I think is the phrase uh, that we need sure. To be using here. Yes, that'll work. Um, if you don't think he belongs, you're stupid. Like it's it's just yeah. wildly a terrible. Th- People keep doing this thing where they think they're edgy by like saying Ben Wallace doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, and you just don't have a case for it. Like everyone who's anywhere close to him is in the Hall of Fame, and it's like they were all sure. Like Dikembe Mutombo was considered a surefire Hall of Famer, and somehow Ben Wallace isn't. Like, is it because he's shorter? <laughs> like, I don't understand why. What the difference people see there is. I mean, it's uh, just the time period. People just want to see. Like scoring players and Ben Wallace didn't score, but but he, he he's been nominated for like years. It's just yeah. a, it's a terrible take. I think we talked about this last year as well about how you know it is time to put Ben Wallace in the Hall of Fame. And it's nice yeah, to see it actually back when we were doing uh, uh, like a player of the podcast nominations uh, and talking about them a little bit at the end of pods, which we definitely dropped for no reason. That that little feature, yeah, I think we Laziness. talked about it then. <laughs> the uh, spe- <laughs> speaking of players, we talked about then. Uh, Chauncey Billups should also be in the Hall of Fame. Very uh, much so. It's it shouldn't be a, one of my least favorite things I've ever heard. And and shout out to Zach Harper. Was Zach Harper was like Chauncey Billups is the guy I draw the line at. Where I'm like, if you're better than Chauncey Billups, <laughs> you're in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, what if we just put Chauncey Billups in the Hall of Fame then? Like if it's you're like if you're admitting that it's in the, in that close, that he's the gatekeeper, that it's that close. And then you actually look at the resume, and you're like, wow, actually, he has a way better resume than I'd like. Yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's got a title. Yeah. Eight straight conference finals. 
eight. I think finals MVP, right? Finals MVP. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> multiple <laughs> MVP easy. award share voting for regular season MVP. Like a five time All Star, a multi time All NBA guy. Like he should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've said this before. My personal opinion is the Hall of Fame should tell stories more than it should worry about like picking who the best player is. You know, the, there's this weird logic people use where they're like, "Well, he wasn't good enough to be in the Hall of Fame," and it's like the person who was in the top hundred players of all time, you know, 45 years ago, isn't probably on that list anymore, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're any less relevant to the NBA now. There's still a huge part of the story. Like, we can all just understand that, like, Bill Russell probably isn't, like, an 11-time champion in the modern NBA. (laughs) Like, his resume Mm. wouldn't be the same nowadays. That doesn't mean he wasn't great or a Hall of Famer or, like, he probably isn't, like, the best player of all time. Like, he was when he played. And that's fine. And we have to extend that logic to, to the modern game and understand that, like... The goal of these kinds of things is so that in 2062, someone looking through the Hall of Fame can go, oh, that was a sweet team. You know, th- that w- <laughs> that guy was cool. This era was interesting for whatever reason. And if you say, oh, we can't induct a, an 04 Pistons player because he didn't, he didn't score and, uh, you know, they didn't have any stars on their team. So obviously he, they yeah. can't have any Hall of Famers, which, by the way, is bullshit. It's a terrible narrative. Uh, you know, you're just you're doing your Hall of Fame a disservice. You're doing the the future people who will want to talk about the Hall of Fame a disservice. It's just not the point. Um, you can you can you know you can have great players of all time discussions separate from the Hall of Fame candidacy discussion. And once again, I would like to posit that we get rid of the um the quota for the hall of fame or the, the like limit on hall of fame, yeah. just in, induct someone if they deserve to be inducted. I don't care if the induction ceremony takes four hours because they have like 11 candidates that year. Like Chris mm-hmm. Weber should already be in. And the fact that everyone's been like, well, I like this guy a little more than I like Chris Weber. So fuck him. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. He, he should have been in ages ago. Um, Sidney Moncrief is this guy who's like one of the like great players in, uh, uh, I think it's Bucks history, like one one yeah. of these all time great players, and it's just like not in the Hall of Fame because nobody knows who Sidney Moncrief is anymore, and it's like he should be in. And uh, Webster is now going on a basketball reference to find out who Sidney Moncrief is. No, oh, it, is, it is Milwaukee. I don't know why I had I was thinking Seattle in my head for some reason. Oh no, I I couldn't remember. <laughs> I had to remember there, there's someone. I what, it was a green the, team. I know that from seeing his highlights, but I didn't right what, which one it was. The, and, and in my brain, my brain like had that like second thought where I was like, it was the Kings. And I was like, shut up, brain. It was, Mil- <laughs> it was Milwaukee. I know this shit. But like Sidney uh. Moncrief is the guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. And yet, because everyone just like is like, oh, I liked this guy better. And like, yeah, you're going to put Kobe and Tim Duncan and KG in before you put Sidney Moncrief in. I get that. But what if we didn't say before or after and we just inducted everyone who should be and it would be a lot easier. And then you wouldn't have to be like, well, I don't like Chauncey Billups as much as I like these three dudes. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's like an integral part of the story of the 2000s and he should be in the Hall of Fame so we can talk about that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in those like early to mid 2000s, Ben Wallace was a player that everyone knew and everyone feared. Is Rod um, Test in the Hall of Fame? Wild question. I know. Came uh, out of, came out of left field. Yet? Yeah, I, mean, I guess uh, he'd be eligible at this point. He's just Hall of Fame. This is awful podcasting. It's excellent podcasting. Um, you shut your face. I don't believe he is. He's another guy who should be in the question. Hall of Fame. And he definitely he has plenty of stories going by your criteria. Like, <laughs> like he's got a resume that probably actually warrants it. And I'm I I, I don't so, yeah. know if he's eligible. I don't know exactly how that. I think he is. Like he retired before Chauncey, right? I think so. I think Chauncey so because like Chauncey like stretched it out, out to like 2015. Yeah, I think he. But, was, he, but either way, you know, the, there are you're guys like a lot that of things I don't really have to do. Right. Well, there there are guys like like our test where it's like, yeah, he wasn't the best player of all time, but like. You can't talk about the early two thousands without talking about Ron. He there was a there was a period of time where Ron Artest was like on pace to be an MVP before Malice at the Palace. Like yeah. that's how good a season he was having. That's how good he was. 
And yeah, that's 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 my two cents on the on the Hall of Fame. We should we should I mean, make the Hall of Fame more about telling the story of the league and less about being nitpicky little stat hunters because it's stupid. I mean, that being said, we still I mean Ben does still have a pretty good resume. I can read it off here. Ben's NBA resume is We all know that. Four time defensive player of the year. Four time all star. By the way, five the, the only the only other four time DPOI is in the hall, and every three time DPOI is in the hall. That's as far as you have to go on the resume. Champion, four time mm-hmm. DPOI, guaranteed hundred percent Hall of Famer. You don't have to go yeah. any further. But here's my favorite part about his resume that I feel like people don't think about enough. He's five time all NBA, which I mean, all right, five-time All-Me. It doesn't really sound that impressive. Do you remember who else was a center at that time? It was, like, Shaq and Yao and Young Dwight and, like, Amari Stoudemire and, like, a whole bunch of other dudes. I like how you say Young Dwight like it's year. an NBA name or, like, a like a rap name. <laughs> young, young Dwight! Young Dwight! On the mic! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you gotta, you got to separate Young Dwight from, like, every other Dwight because there's a Dwight more than anyone else, and he's going to be another fun one. Um, he's a... Uh, I mean, for sure, Hall of Famer, but yeah, definitely Dwight's that a one hundred percent guaranteed Hall of Famer. It's not a. It's Dwight's not like really one of those guys where you kind of forget how good his resume is. Yeah, like he's played a little longer than people. Like the one knock on on Ben Wallace is that his peak was like six and a half years. Yeah, so like that's he was that's why I like six years. That's about it. Yeah, but, but still, yeah, keep going. Well, with Dwight, like he's what top? Like once you do the actual ranking stuff, he's like a top. 50, 60 NBA player all time, and it's absurd to think about. <laughs> like, once you start getting down there to the nitty-gritty, uh, he's on that list. I don't want to do that ranking because I don't want to admit that. I don't know where he lands, but... The, he's there's higher something, than you would there's think. Something to be, like, there's something to be said for him not winning a championship when he was actually good. Um, and the, and like, a lot if of you're going to do, do like all-time rankings like that, I think you kind of have to take that into account. And as soon as you do, like, as soon as you take the rings argument into account... It it his his performance drops off pretty precipitously, but I mean, or not, said, not his performance, a, but like his, his candidacy drops pretty significantly. He's certainly he's certainly like a, a historic great, but I mean, you'd be surprised at how few players have won a championship, let alone multiple championships, as the best player on a team. Like it starts to thin real quickly here. So, but like, it's a fun exercise to do. The so so like the first question you do is you go where is um uh around mountain of rebound Charles Barkley where is Charles Barkley on the list because like so Barkley I is an MVP up, who didn't win a ring yeah so I pulled up my list that I had made and Charles Barkley is at twenty six anyone right. above him is a top twenty five all time right so I don't know where I'd put Charles just to be frank but like that's an MVP who didn't win. And an MVP who was, like, legit who, one of the greatest players of his era. Who realistically and should have won one. He just happened to play with fucking just, Michael Jordan. Just ran into a buzzsaw. So it's like, okay, then you go to you go to Dwight, and it's like, yeah, he was good. And, like, there was a point in time where we wondered if he was, like, an MVP. And he was kind of getting, like, like, I think he finished third one year. And was that 08? He, he had to be close in a couple years. And I just like I don't feel like he any he peaked anywhere near that same kind of caliber of performance, especially playoff performances. And that's that's just where it's like, all right, I'm fine with that. I like if he's in with 50, 60, 70 range, I'm not gonna quibble over it. But I'm also not gonna. I don't think many people are out here being like Dwight Howard's case for top sixty five. <laughs> like part of it is just like I don't think he endeared himself to basically anyone. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, we I got mean, way way off no. track. <laughs> one one quick note before you know we kind of wrap up um, on Ben. A fun little fact that I had found out while uh, looking up kind of Ben Wallace, looking up kind of his stats for his like all time candidacy was <laughs> when he was in high school. He was all state in basketball, football, which makes sense. He's a linebacker, which. A six foot nine Ben Wallace linebacker is got to be one of the most six foot nine now. Is, are I we mean, doing this? <laughs> six, six foot, foot six. whatever. <laughs> six foot six linebacker. Like obviously, he probably grew like an inch or like, two since yeah, high school. He's but massive, still, but like, a massive <laughs> linebacker. Not NBA massive, but massive. Yeah, yeah. Just like a for a high schooler though. All right, but what's this? Team. Was he like also an equestrian champion? Come on, what's the, what's the third one here? And baseball as well. 
Baseball. Okay. I was actually guessing tennis. All state honors. That would have been wild as well. (laughs) The intimidation factor. Dirk Nowitzki plays tennis. Like really, really like plays tennis. I I can. I'll buy anything. I still like. Would be scary. Watching Dirk Nowitzki play tennis is one of the funniest things because now that he's old. He just like he just like creaks his way across the tennis court. I've seen some videos from like forty-two-year-old Dirk, and they're hilarious. Aww. Love Dirk. Yep, this is a very pro Dirk podcast. All right. Um. So that's three things we've seen. That counts as a three mm. things. Uh, segment is there yeah. is there some things you want to see Here, here's my list uh chauncey in the hall of fame which yep, we talked about but one. put chauncey in the hall of fame and then i want to see the warriors beat the lakers in the play-in that's my yes, want to see I, for i'm this week. here for that i'm very pro warriors i'm very pro steph getting revenge for the uh the championship they lost to the the Cavs and to lebron by beating lebron out of the playoffs i think that would be hilarious it- that would be great in the storyline of after that having Steph and his like ragtag group of players go against like Chris Paul's like best team since the Clippers. Well, I mean, I guess the right. I, I don't that. know. Yeah, that but would be a, a a Warriors Suns uh, matchup where uh, like Chris Paul and Draymond Green both get ejected from like two separate games would be mm-hmm. perfect. <laughs> that's that's what this Draymond year needs. Knows. Draymond would have a fun time in that series. <laughs> I want, I want Suns Warriors so bad. Suns Warriors game. would be a lot of fun. It's one game. Steph Curry can get hot for one game and give him the win. Like, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm excited it. for for tonight and for tomorrow. I think the plan's great. Mm-hmm. It, it's a great. I like. I've heard some people be like, "Well, no, no bad team ever wins anyway." It's like, yeah, but we always see these scenarios like this one, where like the star gets like warmed back up right at the very end and like you never know like and it's one LeBron's in the playoff this year like LeBron James could win the title and also not be in the official round of eight this year that's ridiculous that's LeBron James Anthony Davis and the Lakers the defending champs are two losses away from having their season over like that's that's fucking drama I don't care if they're like heavily favored to win they're gonna go and they're, like and they're, a Steph and they're, Curry they're in a two job losses away that, that are like semi plausible losses. It's not. It's not unforeseen it's not that they could lose both those games. Like, like the the Warriors game is like, especially with the heater Steph is on. I almost want to like give them a tiny bit of favor, and I shouldn't, but I almost kind of want to favor <laughs> them. And like, if you lose to the Warriors, that's demoralizing enough that the next game could be in jeopardy. You never know. I would be fascinated. <laughs> I'm. I am fascinated. I'm always here for do or die playoff games in the NBA. It's the best part of the NBA. It's what really, you know, makes the NBA what it is. So I am totally down for it, especially another Steph LeBron one, which we haven't seen like a do or die Steph LeBron since what, like game seven in 2016? Yeah. 2015? What year is it? So <laughs> I'm here for it. It'll be good. Obviously, you are also rooting for a Wizards uh, matchup here. Woo! He's uh, currently wearing his uh, Not Bullets jersey. Not uh, Bullets. <laughs> Wizards. The the man moved to D.C. and immediately adopted the worst team in D.C. <laughs> I mean, I adopted all the teams, but that is definitely on the, uh, the lesser success side. You're, you're Actually, a Washington no. football team the, fan Washington now? Washington football team. Uh, I'm not a Washington <laughs> football team fan, and they are the worst. So <laughs> I was going to say. The bar and, is so low. And, you, and you're going to pretend that you're a Caps fan now? I mean, I appreciate the Caps. I'm not... The Nats <laughs> you weren't, Wizards you weren't really a Wings fan really anyway, so... I mean, I was when it came to playoff time, but they've been pretty <laughs> crappy recently, so... I'm an OV fan. I'll, I'll refer Ovechkin. Sure. That alone. All right. But, yep, we got that, and then we also got my two MSU teams, like, pseudo MSU teams. We got... Miles Bridges and the Hornets, and then oh. Jaron Jackson and the Grizzlies, and also uh, Xavier as well. So, so this, Tillman. this was a fun question. Um, I think I think it was a Bun and Cardigan question that they that mm-hmm. they brought up on that show. Uh, the The Grizzlies are ready to trade Jaron Jackson. How far do the Pistons have to fall in the draft in order oh. to in order to trade their pick plus whatever accessories you know for Jaron Jackson? 
I'd start considering it at about five. I would four, and you could talk me into three, but obviously I'm biased. You, in you that, can't so. talk me into three, <laughs> but uh, wait, four wait, 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 maybe. Three over him, Suggs, Jalen Green. I'd take Jalen Green or Evan Mobley over over him. I'd take Mobley and Cunningham, but I don't know if I would. And even that's close. It's contract thing is also. If, I think, if, if I think I'd Jaren rather have Jaren Jackson had the injury Mobley. history he did, I'd I'd take him. I'd go three, but the injury history is what throws a wrench in the plans. But I like either way, I thought that was a more fascinating Mobley, but question. I like his contract and everything the, else. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the um, and and now I'm like, what what what's the best player you could trade the number five for? Is a like a really fascinating question. Because obviously you have to like think about the fit and the scenarios that you could do, but anyway, maybe that's something we can tackle in a, in a later podcast. Because we yeah. will be desperate for material around like June twelfth. So yeah. we're already desperate for material as it is. So it's only <laughs> yeah, going to get worse. This is actually the most material we've had to talk about in like four weeks. <laughs> yeah, we have a bunch of concrete stuff. Besides, the Pistons are bad, so <laughs> the Pistons we get some suck. About. I like Killian Hayes. Hey, look, there's actual news. Um, yeah. Killian's back. Hey. Speaking of draft stuff, do you have a, a prospect of the week? And let's let's do some housekeeping here. I think the plan for the next couple weeks will be to like pick three guys, and maybe we'll do a Twitter poll or something about it. But we'll pick three guys, and we'll try and do like eight to ten minutes on each guy. Maybe we'll go back over some of the guys we've done in the prospect of the week. Maybe we won't. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what that looks like. But that that'll probably be. Uh, most of June and, and July up to the draft will be some prospect stuff because there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah. I would say especially up up until the lottery happens. That'll Which be... is June 22nd? I'm... I think. I have to pull out my calendar. That's, no, I know it's circled, but I don't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> NBA draft is... July 29, NBA Lottery is, uh, what? Great podcast. See, Google did that thing where it, like, pops up the result, like, right at the top, Uh um, for the draft, and then it didn't do it for the, for the lottery, and it's like, what? You gotta do it for the lottery, too, because now, now my podcast is bad. It is June 22nd. I was right. See, that's good podcasting, when your podcast host is correct. And we're going to cut all that. <laughs> um, anyways, so the prospect um, of the week for this week is, like, so first of all, I want to say we're putting off Cade, we're putting off Mobley, because everyone we'll I feel like I know. in depth. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get real in depth with them, especially close to the lottery, when we're potentially going to go for that one number one pick and get to choose between the two. Um, so for this one, we decided to go with someone who is, of course, near and dear to one of our podcast hosts, hosts Hearts, and probably a lot of Pistons fans as well. And that is Franz Wagner. <laughs> the, Mustered all the German the, I could for that one. Is, did Parks just come running in to correct you? <laughs> I'm yet, shocked. But I'm, I'm sure he's I'm on his way. I'm shocked. He, he's, he's just like his ears perked up. And he's like, did somebody pronounce something in German? <laughs> yeah. Besides the German, which he'd lived in Germany for a little bit, and the Michigan basketball, he was... <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised, su- I'm not, surprised like, he's not Kool-Aid manning his way through that door right now. <laughs> um, all right, so Franz. So to me, Franz compares very similar to like the modern version of like an Andre Kirilenko. So you have this guy who is like six eight. Um, I don't think he's going to have crazy wingspan. I've never seen it listed, but like he might have like a six ten wingspan, and then like two. 05 is what he's listed at. He might be up closer to like 215 now. He put on a lot of weight his sophomore season. Um, And so you're looking at a guy whose big thing is he's an elite off-ball defender. Maybe the best off-ball defender in college basketball this past season. Uh, Amazing at hunting like passes in the passing lanes. Uh, Really great at digging down off the wing and getting steals on ball handlers. Um, Makes good rotations around the rim. He's just a guy where if you're you need like somebody to play the three or the four and park in the corner and make plays off of a corner shooter without like giving up corner threes, he's that guy. He's not gonna be your star player. That's not why you're drafting Franz Wagner. That's why like the the fascinating thing is like if the Warriors end up with like the ninth pick, 
then it becomes like the Franz Wagner thing because he fits exactly what they can do and what they want to do on defense like perfectly. Yeah, him and for Clay the Pistons, would be a disgusting combination. <laughs> yeah, for the Pistons, it doesn't make as much sense. And the reason why is that offensively he is fairly efficient, but like not dynamic. Like he's a decent three-point shooter. He shot 34% from three, but it like I think he can become a better three-point shooter. Um he's an 84% free throw shooter, so like that's that's pretty good. He's good around the rim. Uh, he's got he's good with both hands around the rim. He's a very good finisher, actually. Um, solid rebounder, not elite, but but good. Um, considering he's basically a wing or like a, a four, he's pretty good there. Um, really great block and steal numbers. Uh, low foul rate. So just you're getting a guy who's going to give you really really good off ball defensive contributions. Shouldn't be an issue on ball. Like he's not an elite stopper. Like he's not Andre Iguodala on the ball, but he is a guy who will like, if he switches onto a point guard, you're not panicking and like, he'll do some stuff every now and then where he will stop a guy and you'll, you know, you'll be a little surprised, but at the same time you'll be like, well, I I get it. Like I, I see the talent. He's got great like fundamentals in, um, his hands are incredible. He's got great hands and he makes up for a lot of mistakes by just like getting his hands in and disrupting plays. Um, so yeah, I, I see him as like a, like a four, maybe even sometimes like a small five. Like, I think he might eventually have enough weight to play the small five. Um, and like that Draymond Green, like death lineup concept where like, I, I, the, the one thing is I don't know how much he can protect the rim as as well. But, like, the idea of, like, the swarming, switching off-ball guy um, who's just, like, constantly moving and constantly switching and constantly getting in the way and then obviously can, like, grab and go. Like, he has that in him. I think, he, like, there would definitely have to be a transition for him body-wise to probably be the small ball five. But, like, it's close enough that I could see that happening. And in the meantime, you have a four who's definitely able to play the four, uh, definitely able to play the three. Uh, I've had some people talk about him as a shooting guard, and that's not going to happen. Like, he's <laughs> he's way uh, bigger, and, like, he's got, like, athleticism, but it's not the kind of athleticism that plays shooting guard. Like, it's, it's more strength and, um, like, he's balanced. He's not agile. Um so yeah, I, I, I don't think of him as like a great Pistons pick, but I mm-hmm. think he is an a really interesting pick in this draft, and I'm I'm really fascinated to see where he goes because he could go anywhere from like eighth to like twentieth, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, very very so, much a, a fit player. Yeah, so with Franz, obviously I've watched I think three of his games this year, as opposed to <laughs> you watching every single game that he played in. Um, and they were not probably three of his best games. Um, I don't remember. Did how he, he play a lot? Of, with you. He didn't. I remember he didn't play good in the second game. I think he played pretty good in the first one, but not in the second one. Um, but in terms of you, you were saying that you see him more as like a four and a five, like a small ball five. Yeah. What was he playing in college? I always thought he was playing more on like a wing and like a three. Or a lot like of a, three four stuff. Okay. I mean, you you know college. <laughs> The, yeah. the four I mean, in college are kind is, of is all over the place. often the, the same as the wing. So, um, yeah, and uh, mostly mostly three in uh, and four at Michigan. He never played the five. He's ne- he's never done the five. I just think that that's yeah. something that fits him defensively, and I think you can make up for um, his his faults as being like slightly undersized by the fact that like you'll have a five who can really run. And really, and like I think he will be a good shooter moving forwards. He broke his hand his freshman year, and that like really set him back. Um, as a Michigan fan and someone who I'm sure has an affinity for Franz Wagner, looking at kind of the draft based on the standings right now, if, if this the standings right now were where the draft picks would go, where are the two or three places you want to see him the most? Do you think he would excel the most? So I think he's like the Warriors to me again is like a perfect fit. Because they're not mm-hmm. going to ask him to do anything other than what he's really good at, and he's really good at those things. Um, they're at seventeen right now, currently on Tankathon. So seventeenth. They're at six. Is, they're at six as well. 
They get the, they'd get the Minnesota pick. <laughs> you could think of it six. Why not? Again, Five. like he's he's the unique thing where it's like the Warriors. Do the Warriors want like Keon Johnson? No, they, like there's no room for that. Do they want Davion Mitchell? Maybe, but like, what do they need right now? Is they need is they need an excuse or or not an excuse, but like they need the ability to play Draymond Green at the five without like losing everything. Mm-hmm. And Franz Wagner Draymond Green is like a front court pairing that makes a lot of sense. Um, like I I could immediately I can very clearly see in my head like them doing that in a playoff series and being comfortable with it. Now I can also see in my head the uh, like the storyline being Franz Wagner goes 0 for 6 from 3 again because he's very streaky and like that being how they lose a playoff series. That it, it can happen. That's that's basically the big fault with him is that he's not a consistent shooter right now. Mm-hmm. But I can see like defensively it clicks. Um, I don't know that there's any other team in like the top 10 that makes sense. Like, He'd be an interesting Raptor, but the Raptors are not going to take him at seven. They are not as positioned yeah, yeah. as as the Warriors are. Um, and I mean, they kind of rely on their bigger guys to begin with right now. So uh, I don't know. The if Pacers at well thirteen would be hilariously stereotypical. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just just hilariously stereotypical. Um, just take the best white guy. <laughs> and honestly, I'd be. F- I think like the next guy before you get to the Warriors at seventeen is the Wizards. I'd be really interested to see him on the Wizards. Like again, he kind of fits I'd that be... guy who just like plays off everyone and then covers up a lot of holes. Like his off ball defense covers up for a lot of Russell Westbrook mistakes. <laughs> I mean, it's true and all, but the Pist- or excuse me, the Wizards have kind of done that with the last two draft picks and got like a guy in like Rui and uh I'm just blanking i'm just off this podcast denny whoever the denny thank you yeah like, but, for some reason. and like this is this is one of those things where overlap. like you'd play you could play him with either of those guys you wouldn't play all three of them together but you could play him with either of those guys at either the three or the four and i think like uh i like denny defensively uh i've said this mm-hmm. before i think i think rui's got some holes there he's been a little better this year he's been like he hasn't been a, a like massive net negative this year on de- defense like he was um, before, but like a Denny Franz front court or, or wing rotation, I should say is like mm-hmm. pretty interesting defensively. And if you've got like those two guys playing off the ball, cause both are really good off ball at like recognizing passing lanes. Um, and then you have like a Gafford or, um, who's the Indiana guy? Uh, Indiana is it guy. Thomas Bryant that they, Oh yeah. Have? Thomas Bryant. Yeah. So you know, you, I completely like, forgot about him. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. He, I don't think the Wizards have like an elite defensive center at this point. But like, with yeah. those two off ball and then two star guards, like I can see that working. I I wouldn't mind that. Um, I mean, I'll take all the talent we can get, and I feel like at fifteen, it's pretty good talent from what he, from what he projects yeah, I, to be I, in the I, NBA. Again, you're you're getting a guy I think is who's really plug and play. And there is enough, like, if Franz Wagner figures out the the offense and he's made some big offensive strides, like, let the, his freshman year he didn't pass at all. And then he became, like, a four-assist-a-game guy. And, like, that's a pretty big leap. And if he keeps making leaps and he is an awesome worker and, like, an, a really great coachable guy, everyone raves about how, like, how much he's improved this year. If that continues into the pros, then maybe you end up with something even better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I think he's got a great floor to him, which is what makes him so draftable in the late lottery. Real quick, because I did remember that question I had earlier that probably yeah. got cut out, but here it is. Um, <laughs> we can cut it in there. Uh, so you were talking about him trying to play more like a four or like a small five as well. Where do you see him playing in like a pick and roll? Do you think he'd be the main ball handler in kind of a Blake Griffin sense? Or do you, you see him more as like the guy setting the screen and doing a you know popping popping shots and stuff like that. He never ran pick and rolls um offensively yeah. at Michigan. He yeah, did Michigan do a lot of that on that. I mean, Michigan like, ran pick and rolls. Um what he did do at Michigan is come off dribble handoffs quite a bit. I Man. don't see him as being a catch the ball, triple threat, call for a screen kind of guy. Um mm. I think he can I think he can attack off the catch pretty well and if he's attacking off the catch um in a dribble handoff or a dribble pitch scenario and, and effectively running a two man game like that. I think that's fine. Um, I think he can operate as a screener and then as a popper, um, 
or as a, he can do some screen and roll stuff. He didn't do it a lot, but I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to. Um, he's got decent burst in the lane. Um, off the, so if, you, if you're passing to him in the lane, I don't think he's going to be a lob threat, but he can certainly take a pocket pass and finish it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think he's ever... Like, his handle isn't great, and he's not the most creative passer. Like, he, he's certainly improved to, like, where he's he's making the right reads, but he's not, like, a, a otherworldly vision guy. So I don't think he's ever going to be a guy you're giving the ball to and saying run pick and rolls. Like, I don't <laughs> think he's... Um, who's the white guy who plays for Charlotte now? Gordon Hayward? Broke his, broke, yeah, I don't think he's Gordon Hayward. Like, he's not that yeah. kind of, of playmaker or passer at the forward. He's not like Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think he could, like, I think if you if you end up really lucky, you get, like, budget uh, Joe Ingles out of him. Yeah, I would say that's Where, probably like, someone who he's, I he's, see him he, becomes, he becomes a good enough shooter that he's able to leverage that into playing two-man game stuff, and he learns how to be crafty but it might be six years down the road before he really develops that kind of craft and an equally impressive name as joe ingles franz wagner <laughs> jingling joe, uh, flip, <laughs> joe flipping franz i'm i'm working on i'm working on my alliteration it's all right we'll workshop uh, that. that tells we'll me that we need that. to get out of here <laughs> yep. that's a good way to end it anything else before we go no we will uh probably see y'all next week maybe yep. maybe We'll see. I'm a ver- yeah. I have a commitment aversions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't put anything in stone after how many times Never. we messed up in the past. So. Never. All right. Goodbye. Talk to y'all. you guys soon. Peace out. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.